Welcome to the TALON project. TALON stands for Teaching and Learning Online Network. As we adjust to the new COVID-19 reality, TALON provides a platform for sharing and discussing resources and practices for remote education. You can learn more at taloncloud.ca. Enjoy this episode. Hi, Crystal. Hi. <laughs> Um, yeah, maybe you can just start off introducing yourself. Tell me yeah, a little sure. bit about what you do. All right. So my name is Crystal Ramanowskis, and I'm a, a assistant clinical lecturer in the Department of Occupational Therapy and the Faculty of Rehabilitation Medicine at the University of Alberta. Um, I teach across um, a variety of uh, different courses, but my main emphasis is in mental health and in clinical fieldwork. Okay. Um, and just before we jump into our uh, set of questions. Have you, before the whole COVID situation, have you worked with any online content before or is this brand new? This is brand new. Yeah. So I was, um, I mean, we, we have a satellite campus in Calgary. So like we did have like um, distance learning as part of the classrooms in Corbett Hall, uh, but it was never like a dedicated online platform. So through this transition, um, what's the biggest challenge that you've experienced in, in moving to remote teaching? Um, well, I would say that the biggest challenge that I, that seems to be ongoing is, uh, is student engagement. So like one of the things that I have found um, really challenging um, and, you know, frankly exhausting at some times, at some points is just like, is trying to facilitate the same, like, type of interactions and quality of interactions that would typically be had like face to face. So this whole experience of having to transition um, teaching online, uh, it's really like demonstrated to me like how much learning is actually facilitated um, in and through like students and instructors just sharing the same physical space. Um, do you want me to keep speaking to these points? You can keep going. Yeah, right. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. So like, you know, just like how much energy and it, it really does, especially like over like, uh, you know, video conferencing platforms like Zoom, it takes a lot of energy to create something that's like kind of similar in terms of engagement experiences. Um, you know, with COVID, we lost the hallway chats, the questions in between breaks, uh, students dropping by, you know, for office hours or just popping in to say, hey, uh, and just all those like transactions that organically occur um, when we're all sharing the same space together. Mm -hmm. So, um, um, sorry, I was just gonna say, have you yeah. found? Have you come across ways to like creatively deal with those issues, or is that still a learning point at the moment? Um, the, like one of the things that I um, have done like previously, like uh, in the winter term was, you know, holding the virtual office hours by keeping the Zoom call open. And that was like variably successful. Um, uh, this upcoming fall, um, I know, I know there's like a department wide effort to come up with some creative solutions uh, to promote student and faculty engagement um, for the upcoming academic year. Um, and you know, like one of the things that I really do try to do, like if a student is wanting, like if, if, if there's some correspondence that's happening over email, 
um, one of the things that I do try to do is just say like, hey, let's just like hop on a Zoom chat and Zoom call and just let's just talk about, you know, whatever is of interest um, over over um, Zoom or Google Meets, just so that, you know, we're still having that, um, trying to have some semblance of a connection, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and I know like one of the cool things with, um, our, uh, with the OT student cohort is that they've been like very proactive in uh, organizing a professional development month. Um, so they've, uh, organized it where like faculty and other external lecturers are coming in and doing talks and workshops on a variety of topics. And they're really trying to like, um, bring in some more, um, practice and opportunity for like clinical skills. Uh, which is great because uh, for uh, for the for one of the cohorts, their fieldwork placements got canceled, unfortunately, in the spring. Um, so this is like a kind of a way to bridge um, the learning that otherwise would have been happening on fieldwork, right? Um, and it's cool because like the, it seems that the the PD month is receiving good engagement from students and faculty alike. Um, yeah, so that's I would say that's one of the big ones. I mean, that's just like like that student, um, but that's just like, I mean, kind of touching on the student engagement piece, but there's also another really big, um, I'm just trying to find the words. It's like, there's another element to this where um, it, it does impact like clinical skills, instruction and practice, because again, it's that there's so much communication that happens through um, real life interactions. That's like implicit, nonverbal, and is what really makes your learning experiential Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when when I'm practicing like interviewing skills with with uh, OT students or practicing some type of like, say, an interpersonal mindfulness exercise, you know, that's like a whole body mind experience that a student is like engaging in and is learning from. Um, and, you know, doing things over Zoom, it just reduces um, it just reduces and kind of like strips a lot of that communication. It just doesn't get transferred like literally doesn't get transferred i mean you don't see my whole body it's like you know we got this whole thing with like frames per second so you're not really you know getting the full read on someone so it seems like that is obviously um you know the largest thing echoed by most people is that that presence on the one hand but also just like being able to read the room if you're dealing with multiple yeah. people just that feeling those little cues like you say so yeah yeah and there's you know when it comes to like doing a synchronous lecture and you know i'm kind of rolling through uh like a share screen uh it's really hard to have that sense of engagement and i'm kind of relying on the chat box to be blowing up or for people to be chiming in um, and I, I do try to uh, encourage students to like, you know, put, put, put yourself out there and just like holler at me because I'll just keep riffing, you know, off the slides. Um, and that like, that tends to go like, okay, but it just, again, yeah, that, that ability to, to engage or to gauge where like my audience is at or uh, the level of student engagement is, it gets, it's almost impossible unless like students are really you know putting it out there and they're letting me know whether or not the you know, this is yay or right yeah that makes sense um and then on the flip side of that what are some of the opportunities that are created by digital education oh man i that's where things get really exciting i think you know i'm not i'm not saying that like like there's also so there's kind of like that that whole like um 
phenomenon where like, um, you know, the nonverbal communication is reduced is actually it, it's there's kind of describe some of the costs of it and how it, it can be like a little more difficult to work around. Um, um, but it also creates opportunities too. Um, just just to kind of go on that one for a little bit more. Like, for example, um, I, uh, I taught a module that incorporated um, an interviewing tool that the students had to learn and facilitate. Um, and one of the things I noticed um, is that because I think it took some of the like the emotional charge away um, from like the role play with me, they had to role play their interview with me and do their skills demo with me. Um, I noticed that they that students consistently like a, did a like a better performance than I had previously observed with when students would do in in person. So it actually helps kind of grade the activity a little bit and like it just frees up kind of some of that like cognitive load that comes with with um, learning something new and putting something into practice. So I actually got to see like like better performance, I would say, overall consistently, which I think is like a nice way, especially for students, like if this is like a performance anxiety concern, this might be a nice way of helping people just like um, work up to um, doing these interactions in person, right? So there's that. And then, I mean, my goodness, in terms of the opportunities I created for digital education, do you just want me to keep speaking to this? Yeah, keep on going. <laughs> Okay. There's no limit. <laughs> okay, there's no limit. All right. So like for, for occupational therapists in particular, um, you know, uh, one of the, the big things with, uh, with digital education is that it's really helping us realize the possibilities of tele-rehab, um, which is an exciting enterprise for OTs. Um, um, but like to have that start, like it usually does not start in the classroom or in OT school, right? Usually the tele-rehabs uh, is more of a subspecialty that happens like afterwards, or it might be like a, a module that you would take to, you know, as a, a, like additional learning, right? But it's something that we're starting to integrate as being kind of like a core, core component of our curriculum, just because by virtue of, you know, of, of uh, digital education or everything being online. So, um, you know, this is what this is basically enabling us to do is to refine our clinical interviewing skills, which has been a strong and ongoing interest for me as a practitioner and educator. So it's been really cool to see how students are actually um, developing their relational skills over Zoom. Um, in particular, that's what we use. And um, one of the fieldwork sites that I supervise has successfully transitioned to um, being a tele-rehab service provision. Um, so like a number of students are learning how to do tele-rehab um, and that, as I said, it comes with its own set of competencies. So that's, that's one, that's one uh, opportunity that I think is pretty neat. Um, I also really like that um, asynchronous lecturing, um, it enables me to like make sure, it just makes, it enables me to like have more control over my content. Um, so I'm, I'm able to kind of hit on my key points and give like the comprehensive overview of the topics that I'm teaching. So, you know, I can, the product is more of like what I want it to, to be. And I'm not just kind of um, relying on a good lecture to happen and just, mm -hmm. you know, hopefully the, the performance is, is going to do the trick. So I, I also just like that I get to, you know, do more with like visual de like design elements in terms of like slides and like, uh, video footage and uh, and editing and things like that. Um, 
and I'm also like better able to incorporate elements such as uh, in, like such as like pop culture references and jokes, turns of phrase, you know, just like little little things that make your lectures more engaging and fun to listen to. Um, I've received like consistent positive feedback from students that my lectures were enjoyable to watch and learn, and that would be like you know four or five hours worth of lecture content. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, when right. it comes to, you know, so when it comes to some pretty dry content, like just learning how to like jazz it up and just make it, you know, not not edutaining, but but that does help, especially when you're having basically when your content is having to compete with everybody else's content. Um, I think is a that's a, it's really important to to exercise those those design skills if or to develop them. Right. Um, and there's also like another point, if I can make one more, about opportunity. Um, and I think this is just like kind of across the board wholesale for, for all students, um, regardless of their, you know, whatever they're learning. But my hope is that like digi digital education is going to help students uh, learn to be more uh, adept digital content creators. So that we learn how to use communication technology, assistive technology, software, social media, all that stuff more effectively. <clears throat> and that we're uh, recognizing that like learning how to design more elegant interfaces can actually improve connection and accessibility for people and that this in and of itself is health promoting right mm -hmm. um, and it also like um you know it really challenges and pushes like you know students who are going to be health eventual health providers to engage in things like app development um which has tremendous potential for like health prevention and promotion um like i know that we have some ot students who are working on some app development projects um and you know they have like exciting potential to make clinical practice more efficient and effective so um can you just quickly explain what telerehab is yeah so telerehab is um like an occupational therapy service provision that would be happening over a video conferencing platform such as zoom or a dedicated telerehab software um so this can involve uh, a variety of um like occupational therapy uh evaluations or interventions or follow-up right so it could be um it can be used to like facilitate like a, a intake session or a, an, an initial interview to identify client priorities. Um, it can be used for things like cognitive screening, um, psychosocial screening. Uh, it can be used for doing physical assessment um, just by observing um, the patient do uh, or carry out the instructions and observing, you know, movements and like range of motion, things like that, strength, balance. Um, um, so it's uh, basically it's occupational therapy that is happening over Zoom or whatever, as I said before. Uh, but it's but the the interesting thing with doing that um, is uh, well, there's a couple things. Uh, I mean, the first one is is that you get to see the the patient or the client in their own home or wherever it is that they're they're going to be, um, you know engaging you in in the call um so that just makes it more accessible um especially if people have like mobility concerns or um you know just if they just have difficulty accessing um a service 
uh, or like, you know, those, thinking about like COVID and, and quarantine and, and social distancing and all those things um, has made it more difficult for, for uh, patients and clients to access um, healthcare services. Like I know one of the hospitals in Edmonton um, that um, offers um, like a, a cancer education group that's run by occupational therapists are able to continue on by doing it through Zoom. So, which is great. It's not that they had to go and cancel this, uh, this education group, um, but they're just continuing on an online platform. So that's like one example. And then the other thing um, that's been like really interesting for, for occupational therapists in particular is that it shows, it shows us how much of our practice is actually language-based, like how much of it is, is done through talking, um, which I think is, again, kind of coming back to my own like academic and clinical interests around clinical interviewing. Um, it really shows um, how much we can do as occupational therapists in and through uh, an effective, productive therapeutic conversation. So um, yeah, that's tele-rehab and some of my thoughts about it. That's great, thank you. What is your most used software or tool? Um, so I, I make use of Zoom and PowerPoint the most, I mean, for delivering content. Um, and also um, OBS to record my um, my videos. All right. So, what is your favorite resource for teaching online? Um, so, my colleagues are really great. So, typically, we'll debrief a class and get a sense of what went well, what could be improved for next time. How was the balance of synchronous versus asynchronous content delivery? Um, so, they've been really great. Uh, but in particular, I've been consulting substantially with students about their learning experiences over the past five months and um, just trying to get a sense of what it's like to be on the receiving end of, of online learning and uh, what really works well for them. So um, I, I would say like more than anything, just, just talking to students and um, hearing how well their learning's been facilitated over um, you know, through different software, through, uh, you know, a, you know, the, the type of delivery is really useful, I would say, more than, more than anything else. Yeah. So what do you expect higher education to look like in 10 years? Well, well I expect it's, it's going to keep moving to more and more online uh, delivery. I don't think this, this is going to be going away. Um, uh, especially with the changes that we're seeing um, in higher education nowadays, especially um, in the province. Um, but uh, I also think it's going to change the way in which uh, education and higher learning is going to function. Um, and I think it's going to put more of a, a pressure and expectation on, on, you know, teaching programs and departments to, to really offer up um, some some like edge or value or some something that like really conveys to to people uh, or to you know potential students like why it is that they should come and study here because when when you know with online delivery that means you can have people from technically all over the world come in and start to access your um, your program right and if it if it kind of frees up and kind of you know 
frees up people from having to be in a particular like geographical location, um, then then it's going to be like a different criteria that people are going to be facing, or you know, potentials or potential students are going to be basing their um, their educational choices on, mm -hmm. right? So there's there's that piece, and then um, I also think like. I also think that with higher education, you know, with with you know things moving more and more towards uh, digital learning and this being a component, at least at least that component, if not like a more or less being like a a shift in the way that we do education. Period. Um, I think it has opportunity to free up class time uh, to make like prep work more engaging. Um, because like really how many students actually do their required readings um those kinds of things and just to make and and to to craft like the learning experience to be um just a like more enriching and more emphasis like when i think of like ot skills or like like ot skills and like you know ot, OT learning is going to be more skills practice more opportunity to have like um you know those higher level discussions and you know to engage in like more scholarly practice, um, I think is one of the possibilities uh, that can happen with higher education. Um, I think it just makes the, I think just overall, it makes um, information delivery more efficient if it's designed well and it makes it more engaging. Uh, and we know that people like to learn when things are fun and interesting you know like so if we can if we can make our learning more fun and interesting uh we're gonna come out more educated like just with more knowledge and it just with more and that and that's gonna just like free us up to spend more time as educators and, and as students to to have like interesting conversations interesting dialogue and to just start to do more innovative things so that's been my experience so far that's great. Thank you for answering all my questions. Did you have anything else you wanted to just add to the conversation or any other points? Well, it's just like I see this as an opportunity for um, for just to enhance student learning. I think uh, um, digital learning brings in a lot of design elements that you don't typically get to have or supplement in like a lecture like a live lecture, right? In a live lecture, you're more or less like beholden to your audience for a particular time and um, to just like hoping that you have your speaking points down and, um, you know, just like all those, like, and that's fine, that, that stuff is really like important, but just knowing that like, if there's so much more that can be said about a topic than what is said in lecture, um, and that and that information gets missed, then that's like it's like you know one of my my I guess one of my my experiences as a as an as a you know when I'm doing lectures is I have like I feel like I have you know say like this much that I want to say on the topic, but actually in lecture I only really get to share this much, right? So with digital learning, I feel like I actually get to be more comprehensive, and I think that's really good. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's a really neat outcome of it actually. Mm hmm. I think so. And I see, you know, I see the, the outcomes in student performance as well. Um, I think um, just my experience with teaching a, a, mo a module on uh, mindfulness and uh, uh, 
and clinical uh, interviewing. Um, uh, and just, just through uh, most of the content being largely asynchronous uh, lecture material uh, and the students coming in with, you know, because these were first year students, they don't have any uh, fieldwork experience. Um, the quality of performance that I saw just based off of off of uh, the way the content that they engaged in was actually like it was it was very impressive like I was like wow like this seems to me I'm seeing skills here that in typical fieldwork settings and things like that where I'd be you know doing the same type of learn you know trying to do the same type of learning um, it, it was more varied and variable but like what I was seeing with the students was just better it's so, like it was just I could see that there was learning outcomes that I hadn't encountered before. So I thought that was interesting. That's really neat. Yeah. It sounds like overall your experience has been, I mean, it's struggle. It's a struggle and challenging for everyone in a lot of ways, but um, it also sounds very positive and like there's some really interesting things coming out of it for both, both teaching and learning on either end. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that we could all do uh, with is just better software. Yes. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Like, I think, you know, Zoom's been great. Um, and I think it's just, especially for, especially for like tele-rehab, there's like specific tele-rehab apps and stuff like that, uh, or, you know, video conferencing platforms that just like, they're just, they're not as elegant as they could be. The user interface is just like, uh, you know, um, especially if you're working with, with, you know, like patient populations that aren't computer savvy or, mm -hmm. Um, that can just be like a little bit more confusing, um, that can really detract from the experience. So I think, you know, I think, yeah, there's, it's obviously a work in progress for, for in, in terms of the software front, but mm -hmm. I'm curious to see how things evolve. Well, and hopefully because things are moving in this direction so quickly, there'll be lots of innovation in the software as well, right? There's all of a sudden a huge market for it. So I'm sure, I'm sure we'll see some creative things coming out of it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Right. And like, we know that this isn't going away. This is going to be something that's here, here to stay. Um, so I think that seeing like, that's always been my experience as like, you know, as, as an educator is that the software that we're using to teach is not as, is not as well designed as it could be. So if there's anybody out there who's, who's working on something like, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for, you know, something that's like as, as nice as like, like, a, like a Mac, like OS type of interface to come through. It's, it's, it feels like a lot of learning's actually detracted by, by just clunky, cumbersome, um, buggy, like interface, which it doesn't have to be that way. We know it doesn't, right? So, yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. It's been really informative and it's great to hear, um, you know, what's happening at a different university, different kind of program. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep in touch and hopefully there'll be some interesting things coming out of this continued dialogue as well. Yeah. Well, yes. Thanks. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak with you as well. This episode was produced by Talon. You can find the video of the interview and more at talencloud.ca. 
The Talon Project is funded by the Richard Parker Initiative. It is hosted at the School of Architecture, Planning and Landscape at the University of Calgary. Thank you for listening.